Hello and welcome to the Interactive Investor Podcast, where we discuss matters of investment interest. I'm Richard Hunter, Head of Markets at Interactive Investor, and in this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Rebecca O'Keefe, our Head of Investment, and Lee Wilde, our Head of Equity Strategy. Today, we're going to be looking rather intriguingly at free money with Rebecca and with Lee on ideas on how to select a stock. So, Rebecca, free money surely there's some kind of um, drawback or or con involved in there um you would think so but the free money i'm talking about richard is the additional bonuses or tax relief that you get when you invest in a lifetime isa or a pension this is money that is being actively given to you as an encouragement to save and invest and it can seriously boost your long-term wealth If you're an employee, you can get even more of a bang for your buck in terms of employer contributions on pensions. But basically what you are looking to do is you are looking to take advantage of any additional bonuses, tax relief um, that you can get that will kickstart your potential financial future. So how does the lifetime ISA actually work? Okay, so there are eligibility criteria when it comes to the lifetime ISA. You have to be between 18 and 40. But if you are outside those limits, don't turn off just yet because you may have kids or even grandkids that you might want to help. Um, that you could think about whether it's going to be beneficial for you to help them. I'm certainly well over the age limit that uh, would qualify, but I have two kids who are both um, invested in lifetime ISAs, which I seriously hope will allow them to leave home at some point. Um, The government gives you a 25% bonus up to £1,000 a year in your lifetime ISA, so the maximum £4,000 investment becomes £5,000. And as any investor will know, that 25% return that you get is a serious boost before you even start. And then you can generate additional returns by investing that money in the market. It is specifically used to either do one of two things as a deposit on your first house or for your retirement savings once you reach the age of 60. The majority of people are likely to be ones that are looking to use it to buy their first home. But if you don't, then you can keep the money in the lifetime ice until the age of 60. You do need to be aware that there are restrictions and serious penalties in place if you access the money without wanting to buy a house or having reached the age of 60. But it really is a good way to look at starting to invest, in particular if you don't want to tie your money up in a pension um, till all the way out to 55 for your kids and who are still living at home potentially or want to help them get a foot on the ladder. So that's presumably got a lot to do with it because otherwise um, from the uh, savings part of the lifetime ISA that you mentioned, that seems to be strolling into self-invested personal pension territory. Absolutely. And there's no doubt at all that when it comes to pension investing, the tax relief that you get on a pension is likely to be much better for you than investing in a lifetime ISA, which is why the majority of people from the lifetime ISA point of view are probably saving for their first house. But when it comes to pensions itself, absolutely no doubt at all, the tax relief that you get in pensions is far and away the best way to save for your retirement. And tax relief is available at your marginal rate, so it costs you a lot less. So if we look at an example where you want to put £100 into your pension, if you're a basic rate taxpayer, it only costs you £80. And if you're a higher rate tax 
taxpayer it costs you just £60. Um, as an additional rate taxpayer, there are restrictions in terms of the amount that you can put into a pension, but it would cost you £55, so that's even better. So if you look at it from the point of view of your rate of return, that means that a basic rate taxpayer is getting a 25% return straight away. For a higher rate taxpayer, the benefits are even better. A £100 contribution only costs you £60 because you get £40 worth of tax relief. In effect, that means that you are getting a 66% return on your investment. Any investor would be delighted to have every £60 they put in the market made up to be worth £100 before you even start to think about what else to do with it in terms of the markets or buying stocks. So that is fundamentally a really good place to start your retirement um, savings, looking at the tax relief available to you in terms of pension contributions. There are some other additional benefits of contributing to a pension, not least because it alters what's known as your adjusted net income. So if you are on the boundary, for example, talking about child benefit or indeed your personal allowances, if you're earning above £100,000, paying into a pension actually reduces in effect your income, your adjusted net income, so it could have even further tax benefits um, for you. But of course, when we talk about pensions, quite often we're talking about being in a company pension scheme as well. And this is where the benefits just sort of are scaled um, off the chart. Um, so whilst the tax relief on your own contribution is fantastic, it's where your employer will also contribute that you get a serious rate of return. So from that point of view, if we look at how an employer contribution works, Basically, what they do is they match the gross amount that you're putting in. So for going back to our £100 example, if your employer will match that £100, you'll end up with £200 in your pension. But of course, that will only have cost you £80 as a basic rate taxpayer or £60 as a higher rate taxpayer. So for a higher rate taxpayer, you have more than trebled your money um, by investing in your employer's company pension scheme. So. If you do one thing this week, it is to check with your employer how much contributions they will match. The vast majority of people are now auto-enrolled, which is fantastic, but there may well be additional benefits that your employer will give you in terms of your pension. So it's well worth considering if that is an available option to you. That sounds terrific. Have you got any other nuggets of advice for us? Well, of course, don't forget that these are all just the starting point for your investments, you will still have to look after your investments, pay attention to what's going on, pay attention to the costs of your investments, what platform you're using, make sure that you're actually up to date with what's going on in the market. All of these things are actually really nice things to do. But the real significant difference you can make to your financial future is in obtaining the tax relief and the benefits of bonuses that are on offer. They are genuinely there to encourage saving and investing. And I would seriously encourage you to max out on what is available. That's absolutely terrific. Rebecca, thank you very much indeed. Thanks, Richard. Lee, we've been hearing from Rebecca about some of the tax perks and tax advantages of investing. So now that you're actually ready to, ready to consider this, where on earth would you start in terms of how to select a share? Well, look, Richard, I mean, beginner investors typically buy funds 
rather than individual stocks. So they let the experienced fund manager make all the, the tough decisions um, and diversify exposure across um, stocks. That, that clearly sort of um, lessens risk. Uh, but if you're more experienced and confident investor and you want to go it alone, tweak your portfolio, plug gaps, gain exposure to something very specific, then sort of, then that, that's great. That's when you start to sort of wonder, right, how do I choose shares? So there's a number of questions you need to answer before taking the plunge. So, I mean, first of all, decide, I mean, what type of investor are you? Sounds like a simple question, but it's, uh, it's often good to ask yourself that every, every once in a while. So are you risk averse? Are you a risk seeker? Somewhere in between. Um, again, then understand what you want to achieve. Again, sounds simple, but, but, but sometimes your objectives change. So, I mean, are you after capital growth? It will depend on a lot of things like your age and, uh, uh, and what have you. But um, typically smaller and more dynamic companies sort of fit in this sort of um, bracket. Dividend income, is, is that your primary objective? Uh, yeah, dividend stocks, they tend to grow more slowly, but, but then profits a bit more predictable, just like the utilities. So, um, and then perhaps a, a third option, capital growth and income. So a mixture of, of the two. Then there's, you know, is this share purchase, is it for the long term? Uh, again, all about objectives, long term objectives to complement an existing portfolio. Is it a short term trade? Or is it one of these speculative punts that you've got a little bit of money? It's not a dirty word, using some bit of funny money or a, a small pot of cash for hunches. A lot of investors tend to do that. Um, and then what does your existing portfolio look like? Is it already well diversified? Does it lack one or two areas? Or is it heavily skewed to uh, just a couple of sectors? So as an investor, you're, you're now clear about what you want to achieve. What, uh, what happens next? Many people sort of uh, their first share purchase is, is a tip. So, I mean, you might look at newspapers, read magazines like Money Observer, the internet, obviously Interactive Investors website, or uh, uh, you know, your mate in the pub down on the golf course. Everybody's got a sort of got a view these days. So uh, there is some good advice around, um, lots of material, but uh, always sensible to do your own research rather than just going blind. So there's a number of things that you can do to uh, improve your your chances, or at least sort of pick a company uh, just get investing so the, I mean Warren Buffett famously said he won't invest in something he doesn't understand I mean he's done okay um, a great way to generate investment ideas simply watch what's going on around you it's an idea that's often referred to as scuttlebutt a good example might be in JD Weatherspoon I mean, if you see if you're in Weatherspoons or you're, you're in a, a pub chain that's listed on the stock exchange and it's packed every night of the week sounds like business is good similarly Sainsbury's you're down at doing your, 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 your weekly shop you know, it's far busier than usual. Um, a new retail chain opens up. Again, that's part of a listed group, and it's always busy, lots of traffic. So, I mean, it's not a foolproof method of investing, but but it does get you thinking, gets you sort of doing your own sort of uh, you know, further research. Uh, again, value, you're moving on. What's the right price? You don't want to go buying a, a stock at any price. Um, so we, we've talked about briefly growth or, or income earlier, what you pay for the two styles often very different so if, if you're you're going for for growth tends to be a bit more expensive these days um, price earnings ratios you know, 20 times or above aren't uncommon you know, much higher in, in some some cases so you know, you're not going to get particularly large dividends with growth stocks companies that don't grow that quickly but generate um, uh, more income trade nearer sort of you know perhaps 10 to 15 times earnings so uh, you've you, you 
compare stocks within sectors rather than across sectors. So, uh, I mean, that's that's something worth um, bearing in mind. Also, if if you don't be sort of blinded by these mega dividends either. I mean, we had Vodafone earlier in the year trading on on a, you know, a dividend yield of 9%, those sorts of things. So that they tend to sort of be a, a bit of an alarm bell, these big mega yields. So uh, just uh, companies can keep paying out um, for a while, but but, but typically it's, it's got to end at some time. It's, it's not sustainable. Um, then look for revenue growth. I mean, this is a classic. I mean, if, if your revenue is growing every year and it's not down, just down to acquisitions, watch out for that. Um, you, people are obviously buying buying what you're selling so what what the company's selling so that if that is organic growth and it's increasing year on year that's brilliant so uh, watch out for debt so when you're you're picking a uh, picking a share you like everything about the company you know it's, 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 it shops are busy or whatever it is um, you check out debt on the balance sheet so financing debt can be expensive I know sort of uh, borrowing's cheap at the moment but um, uh, but equally having too much cash on your balance sheet can be a problem too, especially if it's a growth company. People want to see, um, or investors should want to see these companies putting that cash to work rather than sitting in a, um, you know, on the sidelines earning nothing in a, in a bank account. Obviously, um, things don't stay still, and at any point we are somewhere within the economic cycle. So how does the economic cycle play into uh, the sort of uh, decisions you might have to make? Well, I mean, that's a, it's very pertinent that you know, we're at a, at a time in the cycle or late cycle um, when people are starting to talk about a recession or a slowdown, that kind of thing. So if you're looking at picking stocks now, bear in mind, I mean, cyclical stocks do well when the economy is growing. Um, lots of talk about a slowing global, global economy now. So sectors like house builders and firms which make you know, more expensive items, they tend to thrive when we've all got a bit more money in our pockets. Um, but uh, defensive stocks don't tend to do so well on the uh, on, on the way up. They, they, they're the dividend plays, um, but they don't fall as sharply on the way down either. Um, so uh, be aware of where we are in, in, in the economic cycle. So, But again, the trick here is guessing how, how long we've got to go. In this cycle, people have been calling the end of the cycle for a long while, and it's, it, it's not happened. So uh, also urge investors, look for a company's that are exposed to these structural drivers, things like population growth. You've got regulatory change within industries, driverless cars, environmental awareness, all these things that can underpin long-term growth um, for, for companies who are, who are in the right, uh, right sectors. Um, another one to uh, perhaps finish off with is, uh, is director deals. There's lots of places where you can find out who's you know, which directors are buying um, stock in their own in their own companies. These are it's a nice indicator to follow. These are the guys on the inside and ladies on the inside. Um, they know the inner workings of the company. They know all the nuts and bolts. If they're buying shares heavily, it's a it's a good sign. Um, you know, even if the shares have come off a little bit, if these guys are, are, are buying in in big numbers, then it's uh, it's perhaps worth doing a bit more investigating. It's a good sign. Yeah, sound advice. And I suppose on on the other hand, um, there are a few quite obvious don'ts for investors to consider as well as the do's. Yeah, there's a few, quite a few. But uh, I, I think three that spring to mind. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. If you've already got, you know, a couple of utilities in your portfolio, 
perhaps don't go looking for a third. You know, it, it, it's, just, it's the same with all these other, uh, you know, whatever sector it is. So don't put all your eggs in one basket. Um, also, be careful when buying a share. You know, after um, big moves in in the price. So. Um, it can be tempting when a share price has fallen sort of 20% on a profits warning. You've, well, crumbs, that looks cheap. But um, it's often, you know, there's a very good reason that share has come off 20%. So um, you, you can make money by buying after those falls. They call it a dead cat bounce. So lots of buyers come back into the market. They think the shares are cheap. Uh, the price goes up a bit, but there are underlying problems at the business and uh, you know, the, the company is going through a tough time and the shares fall back again. So you you can get bitten there. So similarly, if it's no fun buying shares at the top of the market either. So if the shares have gone up 20% or, or 10% on good results or, or, or what have you, um, just be careful. Shares can suddenly look very expensive. Um, finally, you, you don't invest money you can't afford to lose, or at least do without for a, a period of time if things don't um, don't go to plan. Well, certainly some food for thought there, and plenty for potential investors to be bearing in mind. Thank you very much to Rebecca and Lee for some fascinating points today, and thank you for listening. Do join us next time for another interactive investor podcast.